stop selling your product, start solving problems. And, and, and that's the biggest thing I think approach that we we've come to as a, we're just trying to sell, 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 no, solve, solve, solve. And if you solve the stuff, selling is easy. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 41. Today, we're going to be talking about attracting the next generation of manufacturing talent. Our guest is Jake Hall. By day, he's the business development manager at Fine Zelstra, but you probably know him as the manufacturing millennial. At least you will by the end of this episode if you don't already know who he is. He's made a big name for himself over the past year by sharing viral videos of cool manufacturing processes on LinkedIn, and you should definitely connect with him there. Jake and I have been getting to know one another over the past year, so this episode has been a long time coming and, quite frankly, it was a lot of fun. So, what are the three things you can expect from today's show? Well, first, you're going to get to know Jake throughout the episode. We'll talk about why he started the Manufacturing Millennial as his personal brand, how he got into manufacturing in general, and how his purpose has evolved over the years. Second, we'll talk about getting the next generation of talent into the manufacturing sector. We'll discuss why it's so critical right now, whether Jake thinks we're on the right track, and some of the specific tips for attracting younger talent. Finally, or I should really say first, this is really the first thing we cover, we'll talk about brand building strategies, not just Jake's personal brand, but how companies can leverage non-salesy social media tactics to attract more customers. A great range of topics in this episode. You'll get all of that plus some good banter. And since there are so many actionable takeaways, you'll want to check out the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 41. That's 4-1. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right there on your iPhone or on your desktop. Since you guys have been doing such a great job of leaving some of these reviews, I do want to make sure I'm giving a shout out every week to someone that has left a recent review. This week, Teresa says, Chris's enthusiasm for our industry and his energy are contagious in this terrific podcast. Great resource. Thank you, Teresa, for taking the time to write that. And for anyone that's maybe hasn't found the time to do this yet, this is proof that these reviews do not need to be longer than two sentences. Again, you can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. And with that, it's time to start this interview. We'll kick things off with a little bit of baseball chatter. So let's get rolling. It's good to have you on. I got a little intro for you before we get going. So our guest today is a believer that the future of manufacturing is in the hands of millennials. Through conversations and online manufacturing videos that he releases on a constant basis, he's doing his part to highlight the excitement behind automation and high-tech manufacturing. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the manufacturing millennial to the show, Jake Hall. Welcome, man. It's good to have you on. You know, Chris, it's it's been way too long for us not to have this conversation. So I'm super excited about it. 
Yeah, this is great. It's uh, I mean, it's it's impossible to follow you on LinkedIn and not see you pop up every day because you're you're throwing out videos that are basically low key how it's made videos on yeah. a regular basis. And that content performs really well. So you're always at the top of my feed. It's great. We're going to talk about more of your mission to drive millennials and manufacturing as we get into this interview. But this is Manufacturing Happy Hour, and we have to start off in Manufacturing Happy Hour fashion with the right setting. But I have to do something that's unique for this interview that I've been waiting for for a long time, too, and that's put this hat on. For those of you listening to this interview, Jake is always wearing a Chicago Cubs hat. So today I brought my St. Louis Cardinals hat. I'm going to take my headphones off for a second. Oh, man, and, uh, this is this, thing set this was not expected. Given, I think you already rolled your eyes at me if I, uh, <laughs> if I, if I looked at you correctly. <laughs> what are you doing wearing that trash on your head? Oh, man, this trash just picked up a great third baseman from the Colorado Rockies and $50 million in the process. So oh. I'm feeling good about my birds going into this season right now. But Hey, hey, I'm going to give you a home field advantage here, Jake. You know, we always act like we're having a conversation at a bar. In this case, let's say you and I are at the bleachers at Wrigley Field there watching, watching a Birds and Cubs game. And we're we're sipping on some old style and someone comes up. It's like, you know, Jake, I've seen you on the Web. Like I see these manufacturing millennial videos you put out. But what what is the man- manufacturing millennial really all about? How do you answer that if you're kicking it in the bleachers at a Cubs game? Yeah. So, you know, to, to have it over uh, a beer and bra, I would say the manufacturing millennial is a brand I started to highlight manufacturing processes in the industry to show manufacturers the benefits of industry 4.0 modernization and IIoT and why those things are important. And as a result, you're going to then attract younger generations of workforce because you're adding the latest technology to your manufacturing process. And you're removing the stereotype of manufacturing is this dirty, dark, old, non-growth career that they, yeah, we, we have always thought manufacturing to be. Yeah, and, and I you're you're doing all the right things. And and my my mantra when it comes to attracting the next generation is just highlight the tech aspect of manufacturing. Like we mm-hmm. see tech and manufacturing becoming more and more synonymous. You mentioned that with industry 4.0 and the the other aspects you just mentioned. You know, and to provide some context for folks that that might not know you, I mean, you you've created an incredible personal brand as well. Like you're you're you have a your your profile is a cartoon picture of yourself and you're wearing your Cubs hat, you know, people, you're very recognizable at this stage and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you do is you're basically just taking um, at least one of your main marketing mechanisms for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. is you take short videos of a manufacturing process like that you'd see on how it's made. um, And you post those on LinkedIn with some personal branding around it. And you get a ton of engagement every day by doing that. Like, is that the way you describe it as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the whole way I look at it as, as younger generations are entering more into this professional workplace, we have grown up with iPads and video and YouTube and all of this visual content. So how can you take a video? And this is what I do. I, I, I work with manufacturers and end users with videos that are 90 or like nine, 10 minutes long. And I condense it down to 60 seconds to say, what is actually exciting about your manufacturing process? Mm. And then I share that content to say, listen, there's so much to manufacturing, rather than be automotive or pharmaceutical or medical or consumer-based, 
giving people a larger breadth of knowledge of what manufacturing is in these videos is, is how I do it. Yeah. And I mean, you're doing the right things. I like how you talk about condensing it to that short, cool part of the message. Cause you know, at the end of the day, our attention spans are pretty short. So if I'm scrolling through LinkedIn, I don't have five minutes to look at a manufacturing process, but I can certainly take 60 seconds out of my day to take a look at it. So you're doing a lot of the right things there. Excited to talk about branding strategy with you in a second, but I want to go back to your story a little bit. When did you come up with the manufacturing millennial? How did you come up with it? Was that on purpose or did it just kind of happen on accident? Yeah. So, so kind of how the whole entire thing started, this was at my last job when I was in automation distribution. I was doing that for seven years, selling vision systems and safety PLCs and robotics. And I was sitting in this conference of, you know, pre-COVID, this would have been fall of 2019, of about 400 other key business leaders and owners in the distribution world. And as I'm sitting in that room, there is a there's a large gap between my age and literally every single person in that room where I was probably one, maybe two of the people who are under the age of 40 in that entire room. And I said, this is ridiculous how we're, we're at this global meeting talking about how to push distribution, how to get, you know, how to hire younger engineers and the representation of, of who they're trying to hire does not exist in that room. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm a millennial. I love manufacturing. That's my passion. I'm going to be the manufacturing millennial. So that's how the brand or the idea started. Um, fast forward six months, March 2020, COVID's really pushing in the United States. Michigan shuts down. Mandatory work from home unless you're um, you know, a, uh, a mandatory worker who needs to be in a manufacturing site. So at me in sales at the time, I said, how do I reach my customers? How do I engage them? How do I get my face in front of them without being that person who's literally calling them on a cell phone or emailing them every single week? Cause that's going to get old. Mm-hmm. So I said, I need a authentic way to touch clients and future customers mm-hmm. without bugging them content, right? They're on LinkedIn, they're surfing around. How do I share with them something without selling them? So I said, I'm going to start posting daily on LinkedIn, sharing manufacturing processes, talking about products in a way that's exciting and engaging. And, and, and here's the key point, Chris, that I would say has one of my largest success is when I'm creating videos, I'm talking about products. I'm not reading from a data sheet. And, and that's where I think there's such a failure within manufacturers when they're trying to sell a solution. They're trying to say, listen, this part can do this or have this sensing distance or, you know, produce this many parts per hour. They're not talking about what the issue is. The issue is defining what the problem mm-hmm. is that your product solves. So going back to, you know, this idea of manufacturing millennial, I said, I need to find a way that creates conversation and engagement in an authentic way that makes people feel like they're not watching a advertisement or a data sheet. And, oh, and that's, that's kind of the principle of the manufacturer millennial. Yeah. I mean, that, that absolutely makes sense to me. I think, you know, when I see your content, it does something, not only does it solve problems, but it also entertains. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, people talk about making engaging content, but I like taking it a step further. It's like, it's gotta be entertaining. It's gotta be something you're going to want to watch. And part of it is, does this educate me? Does it help me solve a problem I'm having? Um, but the other part is, is this something that I'd rather look at than the meme on Instagram? Or is this something I'd rather look at than, I feel like I use the Joe Rogan podcast a lot, but is this something I'd rather 
rather engage with rather than listening to a different podcast or like a highly produced podcast. So I think you're doing a lot of the right things there. I guess a question I have is, um, you know, you get thousands of people engaging with these videos. You were just telling me before the interview, like you're getting 25 connection requests a day. And I'm sure not all of these um, are people that fall into like a prospect category for mm-hmm. you or an ideal customer category for you. But nevertheless, in that sample set, I'm sure someone's in, you know, I'm sure there is a customer in there. Yeah. So why in the world don't more big brands do stuff like this? Like you literally repurpose manufacturing processes that any manufacturing out there, they have access to create a cool little video really quickly. I mean, why do you think more folks don't do that? Like whether it's individuals or companies? Well, I think, I think you, had a, you, you said something that's really unique. Why don't more big brands do that? And here's the thing, they do. What I'm doing is not something original. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's other industries out there in the consumer base, right? Let's look at Let's look at consumer cell phones, Apple, Samsung, Yahweh, LG, all these guys. How have they turned in 2020 to getting their product out there? They're no longer doing these giant in-person display things. What they're doing is they're reaching influencers, whether that be, you know, Unbox Therapy or MKBHD or Casey Neistat on YouTube and places. And what they're doing is they're creating fun, engaging, informative videos where they're giving their opinion. They're talking about what's happening in the industry. And let's face it, the manufacturing industry is 10, 20 years behind the rest of the industries out there. You know, even even when we have conversation around Industry 4.0, they're saying, oh, all this new technology. No, this technology has been out for 15, 20 years. Preventative maintenance and condition monitoring is not something that came out in 2018. This has been around for 15 years. It's just... Companies are always late to engage and to adapt to that. Um, So why aren't more manufacturers doing it? They are not in our industry. How can more manufacturers do that? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with companies need to invest in their own employees. And what I would say is a subject matter expert. Take a millennial, and this is the whole thing about why millennials are important to manufacturing, mm-hmm. a millennial who's, who's comfortable in front of the camera, mm-hmm. who's comfortable to have a conversation, hop on a podcast, and be a subject matter expert in the industry. If, if there's a manufacturing a manufacturer out there who specializes in, I'm going to say this because I posted the video on today, making rebar right? It's such a weird topic. Who would want to have a conversation about rebar? But if there's a subject matter expert that understands, hey, why is rebar important? What type of things are you looking for? What's happening in the construction industry? And can actually have a conversation around that. So then when people are listening into them and just one of those companies happens to be a person who's looking you know, for rebar, this, this guy's super knowledgeable in the industry. He's talking about it. He's not this pushy sales guy. He just is someone who's passionate and knowledgeable let's have a conversation. And, and, and that's what manufacturers need to do is stop shoving data sheets down people's throats and start sharing solutions to the problems. I love that you describe it as a conversation starter that ultimately can can lead to those sales conversations. I also like that you mentioned, you know, what you're doing isn't necessarily unique. You're borrowing all these ideas from elsewhere. I, and by, I, I'm very on record for saying the exact same thing. Everything I do here at Manufacturing Happy Hour is something I've seen work in another industry already. Our industry is just catching up. So for our industry, it's new. But these are things that you can look to many other spots to get some best practices on. 
Absolutely. And I think, Chris, not to steer the conversation, but I think one of the, it goes back to one of those debates where, you know, I'm getting 25, 30 connection crests a day. So I think one of the biggest debates on LinkedIn that we hear about is should you, should you connect with a lot of people or should you keep your network small? Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm a firm believer of making my network as large as possible. That's within the industry. So yeah, I have, I think, 15,000 followers on, on LinkedIn. I'm growing about 600 followers a week right now. And for me, I, I personally believe anyone in the, man, any, anyone in the manufacturing or industry or modernization industry, I should connect with because even though they might not be a direct client of mine, they might know someone who does, or they might in the future be in a position that they've connected with. And, and that's been the case where I've literally had people reach out to me saying, Hey Jake, I was at this job four years ago, but I see where you are now. We've been connected for a long time. I'm here now. Can we have a conversation about uh, a custom machine or modernization or a PLC upgrade? So I'm a firm believer in LinkedIn is a social networking website for professionals. If you are not socially networking, you are not using the platform as it, as it was intended. Yeah, no, I, I, the long game is so important. I love that you bring that up. It's like build the network now and then who knows who you connect with down the line. I mean, I see that happen on a more regular basis now where it's someone I might have worked with 10 years ago, five years ago, and now there are opportunities that pop up. Um, yeah, there's a lot we could say on this networking topic. I guess to, to put a bow around this portion of the conversation, you know, you mentioned the numbers. Um, you know, you're getting 600 followers a week. You're over 15,000 connections now. Numbers aside, what's been the biggest benefit for you and your personal brand with doing this? Is it the numbers? Is it specific clients? What would you say it's, that is? It's the conversations that I get to have that I would have never had with my current position, right? So I'm a business development manager for a systems integrator. We work with modernization industry 4.0. If I was just that guy and I had that title on LinkedIn, companies wouldn't reach out to me. But when, I, when I'm engaging in content and posting, I'm getting 140,000 views a week on my content, you know, across seven days. Companies out there are realizing, wow, Jake's an influencer. He's a guy that's super passionate about, let's have a conversation. So here I am getting the calls from the VP of sales and the CEOs for some of the largest robotics and PLC manufacturers in the world mm-hmm. saying, hey, how do we collaborate? What can we do? I love what you're passionate about. Um, Thanks for sharing manufacturing and trying to inspire others to enter the industry. That is where relationships are established. So am I, was my, was my goal of, of creating videos directly to get a phone call from one of the largest robotic manufacturers in the world? No, that wasn't the intent for my videos. It was a result of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people should look at as well. If they're creating content, go out there, do something you're passionate about. And if people will see you're becoming knowledgeable, they'll start to engage and it takes time, right? You know, I've been doing this now for 11 months and it takes a long, long, long time for the first, I think three or four weeks I was producing video and content. I maybe got 500 views. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now if I don't get a video that has 20,000, it's a slow day, you know, so it's, it's just it's just one of those things where it, it takes time. So companies out there who are putting out content, it's not about 
trying to get a a viral one right away. I think that's the biggest thing, right? A discussion mm-hmm. we were just having. How do I create posts that are viral? Don't worry about that. Don't try and create a post that's viral. Try and create a post that's informative and the rest will come. Try to create a post that's informative, not viral. That's the right way to do it because that's when it can go viral if your focus is on value. I dig it. This is a love this portion of the conversation. We'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor. Are you searching for an e-commerce platform tailored to your industrial operation? Well, look no further than our sponsor for today's episode, Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha equips manufacturers, distributors, and dealers with the products and services they need to accelerate profits online. Now, I've been lucky enough to really get to know the folks over at Gen Alpha for the past few months, and what I love about them is that their entire leadership team comes from our industry. Not only do they know e-commerce, but they understand the challenges that manufacturing companies face when ordering parts online. If implementing an e-commerce platform is new territory for you or you feel like you could be doing it better, Gen Alpha offers an e-commerce readiness assessment to help OEMs identify their areas of strength and weakness in order to prioritize the activities required for a successful e-commerce launch. To learn more about Gen Alpha, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Gen Alpha to listen to our interview with their president and COO, Christina Harrington. There, you can also find a direct link to their e-commerce readiness assessment, or you can check them out on the web at genalpha.com. In summary, if you're an equipment manufacturer, distributor, and your customers struggle to identify the right parts for the job, Gen Alpha can help. And now, back to today's episode. I want to talk a little bit more about millennials now in the industry and we're switching gears here a little bit. I'm going to kind of backtrack again, you know, a little bit more on your story. You know, why did you pick manufacturing? Cause I took a look at your LinkedIn before this, you got a degree in product design and manufacturing. So there was some level of interest in it going in. Um, but you know, was this something you knew you wanted to do from the beginning? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, so I went to school and I got my engineering degree and that was something where I'm, I'm super glad I did. But for me personally, I haven't used my engineering degree skill sets in probably 10 plus years, same. you know, just because, <laughs> you know, it was great. I'm glad I got it. But at the same time, I'm a people's person. I love conversation and, and creating relationships. And it's great to fall back on that technical knowledge because when, if I need to dig into the weeds, I can dig into the weeds. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, my passion about manufacturing is be able to take complicated products and discussions about development and manufacturing and be able to create a simplistic way of communicating that to people who aren't technical. I, and, well, I, I've, I've said similar things. I, I think it's the problem solving is what yeah, it comes down to. Once absolutely. you get an engineering degree, you approach problems in a different way and you're like, Oh yeah, no, I mean, you just, you know, how to break it down. You don't get freaked out by that big elephant yeah. in front of you. You take it, take it one step at a time, but you were saying something else there before I, before I chimed yeah, in. Yeah. I, I mean, so, so manufacturing yeah, has always been my passion. I mean, you look behind me, um, I don't know if we have the, the video of the podcast, but you know, on this wall is just dozens of Lego assembly. And I love it. You know, I love the fact that building with my hands, looking at something, mm-hmm. you know, either to be from a, a instruction set or on your own, it's just, I've always had a passion about, putting things together, working with my hands and seeing how things are made. So manufacturing was just a phenomenal career path to follow. 
I'm I'm still a Lego maniac. I got a ship in the bottle. It's not quite an arm's reach of of the video right now, but a ship in a bottle Lego. That's still the best present you can get for Christmas, even when you're in your 30s. As oh, far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I get I get Lego every Christmas still, and I have no yes. shame of saying that. <laughs> love it, love it. No, it was actually it was like I think it was one of my 50 year old coworkers at Rockwell that mentioned it a couple years back. He's like, man, I want a Lego for Christmas. I'm like, why have I not been asking for Legos yeah. for Christmas anymore? So anyway, it's a new thing for me, but it's uh, it's been great. Santa's been good to me. <laughs> well, you you talk about how you knew you wanted to get into manufacturing, um, but I guess my, my next question is, has your reason for being in manufacturing changed? Because you had your initial interest, you know, you, you were a tinkerer, you're into Legos, you know, similar story I've, I've heard from a couple other people, but as you've started doing more with this, as you've built your brand, are there other reasons that you're passionate about it now that you weren't before? Yeah, I would say that there's there's been a growing passion within manufacturing, and that is for me personally on a side is to inspire younger generations about STEM, and that's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And the big thing for me is is communicating to younger kids why it's important to look at. Um, multiple career paths outside of just college. And, and I think within manufacturing, you know, there's, there's skilled trades, there's plumbing, there's electrician, there's welders, there's mechatronics. And um, I would say that's a huge passion for mine to break this status quo that I think you and I both grew up with saying, listen, you need to go to college, you need to get your four or five year bachelor's in engineering, because that's your career path and how to make it to the next level of corporate America. And honestly, that's, and that's great. And there's nothing wrong. I have no regrets of going and getting my engineering degree. But at the same time, I look at there's a lot of people out there who I think would have been benefited to go and become a welder, become an electrician, because let's face it, America, the manufacturing industry is aging. It's the, the mean average of America of, of people in the industry is seven years is, is seven years older in, in 2018 that it was back in 2000, right? So the, so, so the average age of the person in the manufacturing industry has increased by seven years. So that means the workforce is aging. And as all these people in the skilled trades are retiring as well, there's huge gaps out there for, for people, electricians and programmers and CNC. There's another guy on, on, um, LinkedIn, I follow Titan Gilroy. And if, and oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, I, I would hope most people <coughs> listening to this show know him. I need to have him on at some point. But you Titan, do. Yeah, except for those that might not know, explain who Titan is. Yeah, so Titan is this guy who just is this, has this phenomenal personality, right? He has this amazing backstory. I don't want to share it all, but, you know, he was in prison. He grew up in a hard background, and he started his own company, Titans of CNC. And from that, he's, he literally posts and create daily content about um, – the, the, the machining industry with CNCs and manual mills and roboting, robot programming. And what he does is he his career path is to inspire younger generations or, and people who come from a hard background in prisons and all that stuff to say, you can do this as a manufacturing. You don't need to have this degree to be successful. And he does that by content creation on LinkedIn and on YouTube. Phenomenal guy. If you're not following Titan, 
go follow him and subscribe to him. He's, he's awesome. I will definitely dink, uh, dink link, link up to Titan Kilroy in the show notes for this episode, for those, uh, for those that are listening. Yeah. I was, I guess a follow-up question I have to that is you're talking about inspiring the next generation into this industry. Would you say we're on the right track right now? I mean, I, 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 I don't want to share my opinion on that just yet, but do you think we're on the right path to make that happen? A lot of fantastic things are being done to push us in the right direction. I see a lot of government-funded organizations, a lot of local community colleges and groups that are really beginning to reach out and push the the, the skilled trades that are needed to keep to, to really make manufacturing great again in America. Are we there yet? Absolutely not. Um, but I think there's leaders in the industry who are super passionate about it, and it's exciting to see it moving in the right direction. How's would, that for an answer? I, I think. Oh, I mean, it's your it's your answer. You can say whatever you want. I mean, I would I would just say I tend to agree with what you're saying. I think the the right steps, and you know, we talk about our industry maybe being further behind than others. You know, we probably could have gotten an earlier start, but. All the things that I'm seeing the way, you know, as someone that just left Rockwell Automation, for example, I think the investments they're making becoming more of a software and information solution company for the manufacturing industry, I think is a perfect example of some of the earlier stuff we were talking about around, you know, showcasing the technology, embracing the technology that really allows us to be more efficient with manufacturing, produce more in manufacturing. So, and then when you see guys like, I mean, well, I'll say guys like you and me, for example, you know, we're in the younger generation, we're trying to get the message out there. Um, And I don't know if there were as many people, you know, five, certainly not 10 years ago doing that. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm more comfortable with what I'm seeing right now, but there's still a lot of work to go. Um, in fact, you'll appreciate this. We were already bantering about baseball earlier. One of, uh, my recent guests, um, Karen Carr, uh, episode 39, she's an investor in the manufacturing space. And she said, we're still in the early innings of industry 4.0. Yes. And I think that applies to what we're talking about around getting the next generation into the workforce. Soon we're going to have like a gen, you know, the ma- uh, the manufacturing Gen Z. It doesn't have quite the same ring as manufacturing yeah. millennial, but someone, the generation below us will be jumping in. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're, we're on the right path, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. What's up, you know, for companies or leaders that are listening to this episode, what is one action you think they can take for their own organizations or maybe for their own careers to help things continue to move in the right direction? Yeah. I I mean, so it goes back to, you know, our conversation, right? So let's talk about manufacturers for a second. If you're a manufacturer and you have different manufacturing processes on your floor. And I think with a lot of people right now, you have a hard time finding labor to run those machines. I think that's one of the biggest thing that most manufacturers are having um, issues with finding is labor. How are you attracting your future employees? And I'm not on the HR side of things, but I'm at it from a tech perspective. There's benefits to modernization in industry 4.0 that we can get into that are strictly just on the technical, why it's important to monitor OEE and and all this, why modernization is important. But what also we talk about is manufacturers need to understand that younger generations, the people we grew up with are are technical in terms of nature. And if you want to grow your industry, if you want to have... um, innovation within your company, you need to you need to bring people on board who are innovative. And I think millennials are some of the most innovative people there are. I mean, look how many, look how many millennials are millionaires 
you know, uh, you know, there, there are more millionaires in, in, in this generation than any other generation before us because they're innovative, because they're entrepreneurship. So why why can't companies take the same approach for hiring younger people, creating positions within the company that drive innovation on their processes. And I, I think that's something that we need to look at from a manufacturing perspective. Now, from a, let's say a, a product building perspective, right? You know, for all the companies out there like Rockwell or Siemens or Banner Engineering or Keynes who are developing products to put into manufacturing spaces, how can you go out instead of just trying to say, I have the latest and greatest sensor that has 20 more millimeters of sensing distance, People don't care about that. People care about what, <laughs> right. I'm sorry. They, 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 they don't. Unless, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're, unless you're specifically talking to that controls or design engineer on that floor that says, Oh man, I need a little bit longer reach. They don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do these companies drive awareness and conversation around industry 4.0 modernization? And that's focusing less on the technical problems that you're trying to finish in focusing more on the solution. And, you know, there's this whole entire thing I'm working on. It's, it's a, it's a book and or idea that I'm, I'm working on. It's going to be called stop selling, start solving. Ooh, that's got a good ring to it. And it's, it's here now. So that's mine. No one else take it, but okay. and I, and I think, I think manufacturing is going to look at that and, and people say, stop selling your product, start solving problems. And, and, and that's the biggest thing, I think, approach that we, we've come to as a, we're just trying to sell, 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 sell. No, solve, solve, solve. And if you solve the stuff, selling is easy. <laughs> you know, so selling is second nature. If you were to convince the customer they had, a, they, if, if you go out to a customer and you convince them of what their problem is and why they need to change, selling it's easy because they know what they have, their problem is now. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's the thing for me is with, with companies, uh, stop selling your product and start solving applications. And 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 take your marketing approach, and 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 change that around. And I think you're going to see a lot of new opportunity and and conversation around your company. Yeah, yeah. Well, stop selling, start solving. I'm sure when we release this episode, it's not going to be out. But hopefully, if someone stumbles upon this one or two years down the line, they can take a look for uh, for that book you have out there. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor. episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour is sponsored by Steamchain.io. Steamchain is the machine-as-a-service company that's transforming the way end-users and equipment manufacturers collaborate, increase revenues, and grow together. Now, what is machine-as-a-service? Well, if you're familiar with other as-a-service business models, it works very similarly. Rather than pay the upfront cost of a piece of capital equipment, whether that's a case erector or a canning line or anything beyond that or in between, end users have the opportunity to pay for that equipment based on its usage and performance. This moves investment dollars from CapEx to OpEx and ties this investment to production output. The coolest thing is, machine builders win as well. Through this performance-based financing model, now OEMs can cash in on the increases in throughput and quality that they deliver, generating ongoing post-sale revenue for their business. Steam Chain's machine-as-a-service business model is one of the best solutions I've come across during my time hosting Manufacturing Happy Hour. And if you want to hear more, make sure to check out Episode 5, where we interviewed Steam Chain's CEO and co-founder, Mike Kromicky. 
You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash steamchain and make sure to visit them at steamchain.io to learn how you can start working with them today. And now, back to today's episode. The rest of the interview, I've got like kind of a smorgasbord of questions for you on here. Let's, and let's and, do it. And, and we're, t- we're talking about selling. And that ties back to your day job a little bit, because you mentioned, I mean, the manufacturing millennial isn't what you do full time. You're a biz dev guy for uh, Fine Zelstra. You mentioned they're an integrator. Yeah. Um, how do you balance that? You know, how do you, you know, find the time to do both? That's a question a lot of people have when they see someone like you that's putting out a lot of content. And they're like, how does, how does he do all of it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, honestly, it's a lot of hours. And, and, and for me, you know, I look at it as I'm trying to build a personal brand. I'm trying to build an identity and influence in the market. So it is a lot of hours. And, and to say that I'm not spending an extra three hours a night just on the LinkedIn side of things, trying to grow a platform would be a lie. Cause I am, I mean, so, so find Zelstra. Yeah. My, my day job is I'm a business development manager for them. I'm working with their industrial tech and their electrical service group. You know, we're, 650 employees, and we work with manufacturers and end users to modernize and improve their manufacturing process. So when we go into large Fortune 500 companies, we say, "What you're you're running a PLC five? You know, I'll just bring up Rockwell because we we you have a Rockwell familiarity. You have this PLC five in your floor that's 20 years old. What are you doing? What's your what's your exit strategy plan? Are you just hoping that this guy's going to run forever and it just doesn't die? Because right now. Tell me, tell me if your if your machine went down, how much production would you be losing? Well, we'd be losing about twenty thousand dollars an hour, and it's just you know trying to go out and have those conversations with them, saying, "Listen, modernization is important. How do we reduce your risk to make sure that we can do this transition effectively?" So, so that's kind of the business development role um, is going out there, creating conversations and relationships with manufacturers on how to improve their, their, their manufacturing processes around modernization, industry 4.0 and IIoT. Well, no doubt the videos that you're putting out tie into that as well. At the end of the day, I'm sure you've had, you know, can you tell a story about maybe a conversation that's come out of one of some of the content that you've shared? Yeah, I mean, I could, I could share dozens around sharing content and video. And here's the exciting part is I would say, Chris, 80% of my content I'm finding out there is companies who are making these products and sending me videos and saying, Jake, can you highlight this? What can we do? How can we partner and sponsor together? And, and, And so we're creating a script and idea of sharing this information. And, and from that, I'll get people who message me on a daily basis saying, Hey, Jake, I'm looking for a product that does this. Or, you know, one of them was, I'm looking for, you shared a video around induction heating, right? So you're taking electrical coils, you're putting your product in media and you're heating it up. I'm looking for a company that can do that. Who do you know? Great. Contact these guys. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the whole exciting part about going back to followers and connections, am I ever going to work directly with a company who makes induction heating equipment? No, probably not. But I now know who they are. Mm-hmm. And now I can share that information and create that connection and how that turns into a sale. Yeah. You just, you, you add to the tool belt of value and connections you Absolutely. can provide. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and there's, and there's been direct leads that I've, I've had that we've brought back to FZ and, and closing deals on as well around, Hey, we need a PLC upgrade. Great. No doubt. And, and, and we make it happen. Yeah. 
No, it's it's awesome. I, you know, I think I'm I'm trying to put some tactical advice into this as as well. So if if someone wanted to start doing some of the things that you do with your videos, or you know, some of the things I do with my content on social media, what what's the starting point that you'd recommend for them? Well, I think the first thing is looking at what you can commit to. You know, if you can commit to to making it, here's how I would say. If you can commit to posting twice a week on LinkedIn, that's great. Post Monday and Thursday on LinkedIn and go out there and just start creating content and conversation around something in the industry. Begin by, you know, and that's why I started out doing it is find something interesting. Find something from A3 or RIA or the International Federal Robotics Organization about a statistic or a fact that's relevant to your industry and share about it. But Add your own thoughts to it. Do something that creates and generates conversation because there's there's what I call on LinkedIn, there's the professional sharers where all they do is just, they, they, they just share. Oh, that's fun. Share, share, share. And that's all they do. They're not creating engagement. They're not creating conversation. They're sharing a lot of great content, but they're not driving conversation behind it. So to start out with, I would say, Find find amount of time that you can commit to doing that. Go out and connect with people on LinkedIn and be honest with them, saying, "Hey, I'm I'm looking at expanding my network. This is what I do. I'm you know for me, you know if, if I see a guy out there that that I want to connect with, I'll say, "Hey, I'm a millennial. I'm super passionate about manufacturing. You and I in the same industry. Let's connect." And and that's it, you know. And and if down the road there's someone that there's a conversation I want to have with them, I already created that introduction. But I would say the last thing you want to do on LinkedIn, and this drives me up a wall, is hey, let's connect. And then literally within ten minutes, I get a copy paste sales pitch that's three paragraphs wrong. I'm like, what is this? You know that in my opinion, you're doing LinkedIn wrong that way. Go out and use LinkedIn to create relationships. So. Find, find the amount of time that you can engage in a week. Anytime someone comments on your post, comment back, like it, show that engagement, and then just start interacting and commenting on other people's posts. You know, contact, you know, comment on Chris or a lot of these other guys who are in manufacturing happy hour, you know, and, 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 and go out there, connect with them. And right, there's a group page, manufacturing happy hour that has what, 300 followers, 300 group members now? Uh, yeah, and that's just the community. Yeah, yeah. we've we got our private. So by the way, anyone listening that's a manufacturing leader, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community, 300 plus awesome manufacturing leaders in there. Quick plug, but back to you. Yeah. So so literally, so literally go in there. And this is and this and it's not a plug, but you know, go in there, go to that group, join that group. Every single person that's in that group, send them a request. Hey, I just saw manufacturing happy hour. I love to connect. The, 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 it's so simple. Mm-hmm. that if you want to do that, grow the industry, connect with people, create a conversation because that's how we grow. I mean, literally, Chris, it goes back to 12 months ago. I was having a conversation with someone about, you know, me wanting to do a LinkedIn. This is before I was starting to post and said, Oh, you should go follow this guy who, who drinks beer and talks about automation. <laughs> literally that's, that's, that's all the information they told me. So that I started like, I think on Google, I searched like, beer automation guy. And then YouTube came up and then I saw you. I think the first, the first video I saw was you sitting at a Rockwell event and your conversation was, what's the difference between um, 
like OEE or MES or like yeah. ERP, oh yeah 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 what's the difference between an IoT platform and a manufacturing execution system that, I know exactly which one you're talking about that's how I found Chris <laughs> and, and and literally that that's how the whole thing started of, over you know nine ten months ago of of all the things I've learned today this might be the top one because now I'm understanding how people find me in the industry and if I'm just the beer and automation guy you know what I'll take it I'll take it that's not the worst brand to have in the but, world but but that's but <laughs> but here's what that's a phenomenal brand right you're the guy who loves to have conversations in a casual way around a beer who cannot connect to that. Exactly. And that's the same thing with me, with my personal brand of, hey, he's the cartoon guy that's got the Cubs hat on. I know Jake or, you know, I know the manufacturer millennial. What's mm-hmm. his name? Oh, I think it's Jake. You know, more people know me as the manufacturer millennial, which is great. That means my personal brand is exact is doing exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, you bring up a great point. I need to get out there to Western Michigan and drink some beer with you sooner than yes, later. You do. We are open um, again. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, well, I mean, now that I'm back in the Midwest, it's not that long of a drive from Milwaukee to get out there. So it's not well, uh, just don't wear the head over here. I think it's happen. <laughs> well, I was going to ask this at the very end, but uh, we got to do a little more baseball banter. Who's winning the NL Central this year? Not the Cubs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to get confident and give that uh, answer there. I mean, we, we got rid of everybody. I don't know what the heck management's doing over there, but unless by some miracle things happen, uh, it might be those guys who are up at, who have, who rent our stadium up in Wisconsin. Ah, uh, yes. You're talking about the former Miller Park, now yeah. like American Family Field. Yeah. We, 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 like to, we like to call it Wrigley North. Because I've heard anytime, that plenty of times. Anytime there's a Cubs <laughs> game up there, there's more Cubs fans in that stadium than there are the home team. Yeah. So we call it Wrigley North. <laughs> I, you know, Miller Park or, well, you know, where the Brewers play is a great spot for a ball game. And the tailgate scene is awesome. They do that right. I, I agree. The Brewers are scary. I'm interested to see what the Cardinals do. The fact that they're, uh, they're front office was doing some work in the off season gives me some confidence who? but yeah yeah you know who who you'll yeah. you'll, who you'll are those you'll, guys i've heard of them you'll you'll see them on the field no. soon they've they've made yeah. your life difficult for the majority of time maybe with the exception of the past 10 or so years so <laughs> well, as long as you guys don't go to any more casinos like you did last year oh, season oh boy well we'll see we'll see what the covid situation is like and and how it wreaks havoc on the league this year but uh we could do a full other episode on baseball but oh. a couple couple wrap-up questions for you <laughs> before we finish this up where do you see the manufacturing millennial going in one year, two years, five years? What's the oh, plan? Oh man, it's it's exciting. It's growing. There's there's so much opportunity, and that I'm excited to announce in the future. Just on on partners partnerships I'm having with manufacturing. Um, you know, there's organizations and boards I'm beginning to get more involved with, just to to grow the conversation around manufacturing in a a social platform way. And it's so exciting to see more companies. And I think, I think, you know, COVID was a great opportunity for a lot of these companies to rethink how they're focusing their content and and marketing, right? You know, uh, you you had another conversation investment months ago about um, why trade shows are changing and how, how to take the best out of virtual events. And I think, you know, it's, it's exciting to see how companies are moving towards that direction. And I'm very excited to be a part of a lot of upcoming trade shows and events. 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, for me, in the terms of the manufacturing millennial, as things open up again, I plan on traveling around a lot more to all these different manufacturing facilities and going in and, and, and doing podcasts and highlighting manufacturing processes and, and really talking about not necessarily the products, but how these companies are influencing and changing the industry and moving it forward. Awesome. Is there anything you wish I would have asked you that I haven't yet? Oh man. No, I think we, I think we covered everything. Nice. Nice. No, this was, this was a good conversation. What's uh, well, we know to find you on LinkedIn manufacturing millennial. Um, I will have links to find Zelstra as well as uh, how to connect with you, Jake in the show notes. It's been awesome. We definitely need to do this again. And hopefully as things open up drinking beer in Western Michigan or at a ball game or at a conference, we have a lot of venues where we could hang out soon. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to plug again, because I love it. You know, this the, the, for me, for me, a, a, you guys listening to this podcast might not know, but Chris was actually one of the big guys I looked to when it came to around creating content initially on LinkedIn. So it's super excited to be on this podcast because, you know, watching Chris's videos and how he communicated and had generated conversation was one of my early inspirations. So super exciting about that. But yeah, manufacturing happy hour. Join the group. Hey, yep. Manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. I appreciate all the sentiment, Jake. I mean, it's shared as well. You're doing awesome things. It's been awesome seeing you skyrocket over the past year. Been a pleasure having you on the show. And for everyone else out there, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Hey, thanks for listening. I have a feeling that won't be the last time that Jake appears on this show. If you want to access any of the resources that he mentioned throughout this episode, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 41 to see the show notes from this show. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider letting us know over at Apple Podcasts by leaving us a five-star rating and review. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. And again, reviews don't need to be long at all. They can be as short as a couple sentences. That feedback not only helps put the show on the map, but it helps us know what to continue doing here at Manufacturing Happy Hour. Before we wrap up, I want to make sure to thank both of our sponsors for today's episode. And by the way, if you're an equipment manufacturer, definitely listen to these last couple minutes of the show because these two companies are probably two of the best groups to help equipment manufacturers grow their business. First, our premier sponsor of the podcast, Steam Chain. Steam Chain is the machine as a service company, and they're doing incredible things to help equipment builders create new revenue streams and never lose orders due to price. Their machine as a service model allows you to charge by output and performance rather than as a capital expense, creating an unprecedented advantage for their end user customers. You definitely want to check these guys out. Go to steamchain.io or listen to them on episode five, which you can access at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash steamchain. A big thank you to our newest sponsor of the show, Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha is the e-commerce solution for equipment manufacturers. What I love about them is not only do they know e-commerce, but they all come from the manufacturing industry. So they know the challenges of trying to find the right part for a piece of equipment. They create e-commerce solutions catered specifically to your business to make it easier for your clients to do business with you. Again, if you're an equipment manufacturer, definitely check out Gen Alpha. 
You can learn a whole lot more about them by listening to episode 34 featuring our interview with their COO and president, Christina Harrington. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash genalpha or head straight to genalpha.com to check them out today. And with that, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for sticking around. We'll see you again here on Manufacturing Happy Hour real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.